Hey, good afternoon. Hey, how are you guys doing? How you doing today, Dylan? I am going to work. Yeah, that sucks. And you actually just worked a night shift? Yep. And now you're going back to do another 12-hour shift? Blue-collar life. Working, man. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be thinking about you while I lounge around eating bonbons and reading up on true crime. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> but you know what? They'll never stop my true crime love for true crime. I know. You listen to a lot of true crime podcasts and stuff like while you're working. Yes, I do. What are some of your favorites? Um, I must say, uh, I used to be a pretty big fan of Sword and Scale. I like Sword and Scale. We've talked about this. The issue I have with Sword and Scale is that they tend to really, I feel like, overly use almost borderline abuse. The audio. The audio, like 911 calls. Yes. Trial. Yes. Clips. I mean, they'll drone on for like five or ten minutes with like a, que- you know, questioning and interrogation. Right. And it's just like a little too much. I think it's um, honestly, I know we're just a little baby blip on the map, nothing compared to these big things. But I think it's kind of lazy. Yeah. Honestly. And it gets boring for me. It does. I mean, I don't mind. I actually, you know, I enjoy hearing a little bit of that outside. Yeah. Some content. of it, some of like, it oh, is okay. uh, almost hard to listen to. And sometimes I wonder. I mean, when you got a minor, 911 call from a minor, yeah, some of talking about finding their parents dead or I've killed to. my parents, I think you're really, which talking about true crime period is going to give some people feelings. You got families, you got victims, you got survivors. Well, I'll be honest, I was like doing a pretty deep dive back into some of the sword and scale stuff recently. Um, as a matter of fact, I was listening to uh, one of the podcasts last night from 2016, and it was talking about like domestic violence. And one episode, the guy Mike or whatever had invited Dave Navarro to come on and talk about his documentary because his mother was murdered and he grew up in domestic situations. And then they had another episode that was talking to kids who had grown up in domestic violence and sexual abuse. And now they're adults, but they were telling their story and recounting, you know, different things that had happened. And one of the women on the show, they played a 911 tape that was from like 1986 or something. And she was a little girl. She was like four or five calling 911. It was really hard to listen to right? for a lot of reasons. And she was saying, you know, she couldn't even go back and listen to that 911 call. It was just too much. But, you know, having myself grown up and I guess being a little honest about my life, having grown up as a child in a, in a very turbulent situation, a lot of domestic violence in my household growing up. Um, it was almost triggering, and I really hate to use that word. I feel like it's thrown around a lot, but it really was triggering to hear that 911 call, the frantic nature, how upset this child was. I mean, just to hear all that, was it was pretty upsetting for me. Yeah. It brought back a lot. Yeah, yeah. Some of that, I think, is uh, it's too much. A little bit. You're really crossing the line. And I know we make jokes during ours, and sometimes... But we do try to keep it some But at the same time, it, the reason we like true crime, I think, and uh, um, we feel for the victims, and we can't believe, you know, how depraved humans can be, and, and just, you know, towards each other. Yeah, and I mean, I'll be honest, we're both fucked up people. Yes. And so, you know, a lot of um, our... I guess dealing with our trauma and diffusing uncomfortable situations is that we both, I think, tend to make light of it or joke around or kind of make those inappropriate jokes. It probably just as a mask. So, yeah. um, But, uh, you know, for the most part, it's like, yeah, we may joke around, but I feel like we really do try to be somewhat respectful, you know, not take it too far. 
So, but uh, now I like um, uh, last podcast on the left. Yeah, those guys are pretty funny. They're now, pretty they funny. Do tend to take the jokes a little too far. On now, occasion. Henry can go a little far. Yeah, but I guess I do have a, a part have of a me that sense of humor. So yeah, we can so like, I'm sure. There's, so we're like, oh, okay, that's probably not for everybody. Yeah, it can it can be a little much sometimes. Because um, yeah, but uh, so what do you like? Well, true crime digging? all the time. T-Cat is a show that I've gotten into over the last few months, and the true crime all the time, Unsolved. The guys yeah, Mike you love Gibby. those guys, don't you? Yeah, I do. I mean, they're kind of goofy, and I don't know. They just remind me of, like, dudes I hung out with in college or something. Yeah, but they stay on topic. They're they straight do, up. And, they're, and their research is pretty impeccable. Yeah, and, and they're super a, respectful. Yeah, they totally are, and I appreciate that. And then I've been listening to Hollywood Crime Scene, which two, two chicks, Rachel and Desi, and I hate to sound like a misogynist or something, or that I don't like my own gender, but I have a hard time listening to female-driven podcasts. Um, I find that they're either really dry and stuffy, almost like they don't really enjoy the content. They're just doing a read-through. It's just a job. Or the women get to, like, oh, my God, brunch, LOL, I'm drinking wine. They just, like, take it too far with that, and it drives me crazy because I'm like, can you stay on point? Like, if you're 10 minutes into the podcast and you haven't even gotten to the subject matter And I don't yet, even know what the case is. Yeah, I don't want to fucking yeah, listen to that I don't shit. care who you are, man or a woman, I'm tuning out. Yeah, and I find that a lot of the female, like, the co-hosts, I don't know, I just don't like... Some of that stuff. Yeah. What is I it? My favorite murder. Yeah, I can't. I mean, it's hey, just they're, not, they're, it's they're not popular. One of my they're very they're popular. Huge, great. Not one of my favorites. But I That's can't all I'm do it. Say. I can't do it because. They don't stay on topic. I mean, I think that's my biggest thing. Yeah. So we put out a new podcast this week, which we we're br- pretty excited about. The whole Peter London, Maggie Valley's serial killer. I mean, it was it was a great episode. I feel like it was a great story. I'm it not was saying, a great story. I'm not saying we did a great job delivering yeah. that story, but the story itself is so fascinating. And since we've um, you know put that podcast out, it's pretty cool to get the feedback. I mean, people seem really excited about it. Oh, yes. Almost everyone that has reached out to me, commented, called, text, everybody's like, how did I not know about this? I think that is It was is kind the, of like a hidden gem or something. Yeah, in the I think it world. really kind of, um, it kind of um, got to the crux of what we're doing here. We're bringing some uh, stories to light that don't tend to, with all these podcasts out there, this uh, region of, uh, you know, these states in this region, uh, Appalachia, um, doesn't seem to get a lot of play on, on the podcast. And there's some really, really interesting and scary stories. Yeah, we've got there. some dark depravity tucked away in these mountains. Yes, definitely. But uh, on this one in particular, I think the feedback has been... Um, it's been tremendous. Well, what's been so interesting as well are the people who say, hey, you know, I actually knew him. Yes. And then we'll kind of share feedback or even like stories about him. Yes. I've had a couple of folks reach out and say they remember him from high school, from school. And it's almost like hands down, the description is that guy was really strange or he was super weird. Or that we, and we mentioned in the podcast, like, oh yeah, he sold a lot of drugs. People were like, oh yeah, I remember he kind of was like, uh, had a reputation for being like kind of a, you know, the stoner or a druggie or, you know, whatever. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, um, actually it was, uh, written in his, he was voted for most likely to break his mother's neck in the, uh, senior year book. So I found that interesting. <laughs> 
No, not really. <laughs> no, and, uh, but, we uh, had another fan who um, knew him. He actually, uh, her family was involved in the foster care system, and uh, it's like as a foster family. Oh uh, yeah, so knew the young or knew of the young Peter. The young child, Peter. Yeah, and so as we had mentioned in the podcast, he definitely had um, a pretty dysfunctional home life with his mother being an alcoholic and there was some abuse, you know, in the home and that kind of thing. I didn't realize that it was to the point that he had actually been in and out of the foster care system. Well, I guess that kind of makes sense. Yeah, it does. And, you know, with the, the way his father seemed to be and the way his mother obviously was, that was a perfect storm. For those people, you know, to be pure dysfunction that doesn't get resolved or one parent being like in a better mentally, you know, better stable, not to get get the child out of the situation. Yeah, I mean, it sounded seemed like the father was kind of meek, complicit and and, um, almost enabled Peter. Right. Because, I mean, because in a lot of those situations, when you grow up in a very dysfunctional situation and maybe there's abuse or there's domestic violence, is that even if one parent is mm, kind of the, you know, I guess the uh, the bad parents. Right. You know, they're the one kind of uh, the perpetrator right. of this, you know, domestic violence. You've got abuse. one good parent. You typically have the other parent who's like tries to maintain some semblance of like normality in these kids' right. lives. Right, or get you out of it. I mean, not there. always, but, you know, it, it seems like the, par- the other parent is kind of like, okay, that's wrong, or, you know, we don't do that, or maybe tries to you know, teach the whole idea of right or wrong instead right. of encouraging it. So this seemed like a perfect storm for yeah. to be as dysfunctional as it possibly could be. And obviously it led to a, a very bad end result. Yeah. And, you know, I actually had spoken with someone that I knew from high school and I've actually known her for quite, a, you know, a long time, probably over 20 years. Um, and her brother knew Peter and hung out with him in high school you know, and she's like, oh, I remember him hanging out with my brother. He came to our house. And so I was instantly, you know, needed to know more, uh, you know, curious. Well, what was your thoughts on him? And, you know, obviously she knew him when she was young. She was a child. And she's like, you know, even at 11 years old, I knew that he was a strange cat. Those were her exact words. And she said he was pretty, pretty odd. And that when he was, you know, charged and convicted with killing his mother, it was not a surprise to anyone in her family because they just knew this guy was like not, like there was something going on with him. Yeah. So this guy, it sounds like always people have that gut instinct about someone, which you should always follow your gut instinct because it's picking up on vibes that you know your subconscious or whatever is picking up on vibes i think from evolution to tell you to get away yeah to get out of well you know we actually had made a post on our mountain murders facebook page where we said you know do you ever feel like you've encountered someone who is maybe like a murderer or gave you like a creepy vibe and we had a lot of feedback like so many people responded those stories were so um Scary. Yeah. Have you ever had an experience like that? Because I totally have. Um, I'm sure I have. I don't have any particular one that stands out to like uh, like those um, instances described in that Facebook thread were uh, harrowing. 
They were scary. Yeah. I mean, well, uh, I have one really that hard. happened just a couple of years ago. Re- yes. Yeah. Well, you've told me about that. Well, I mean, I have a few, but this one's pretty crazy. So a couple of years ago, when I had first moved here to this to this county where I'm living now, um, I was working um, my regular job, which was in the media broadcasting field. And then I had taken a second job bartending, which, you know, on and off for like the last, what, 20, 20 something years through college and all I've um, bartended or, you know, worked in the service industry, waiting tables, that kind of stuff, just on and off, you know. So bartending's always been a quick way to just make some extra cash and you typically only work a few hours and you get tips and whatever. So I'd taken this bartending job and there was a fella who used to come in to the bar where I worked. And he gave me the creeps. He would make these really offhanded remarks, um, very disparaging um, when it came to women, would often call women the C word, you know, cunts, which is like, you know, I kind of jokingly throw that word around here and there. But I feel like when a man's using that word to describe a woman, it's kind of like... You just get a vibe from him. Like, okay, he's definitely someone who doesn't like women. Well, it's one thing to make a joke. And obviously in Europe, that has a whole different... Right. It's a lot lighter and used a lot more uh, often. Like bitch here. when someone says it I just got the feeling from this guy, he definitely seemed like he hated women. Right. And he gave me the creeps. I felt like this guy hates women. I mean, I'm pretty... You know, I'm pretty much a feminist. You know this about me. And so any guy that starts talking shit about women, I'm automatically like, well, who the fuck are you supposed to be? You know? right. So I just didn't like this fella. And he just gave me the creeps. Creepy vibe. I felt like he, the way he was with other women in the establishment, um, there was another bartender that he would like always want to touch and he'd like kind of come up behind her and like try to rub her shoulders and she would just kind of be like, ha ha ha. But you could tell she was uncomfortable, but maybe didn't want to say something to him. And I think that happens a lot with women in the service industry when you're a waitress or you're a bartender is that you want to have a good rapport with your patrons. And especially, you know, as a bartender, you have a lot of repeat customers. Plus, you don't really know how to stand up for yourself without maybe being more assertive or even a little bit aggressive. You have to keep your hands off me. Yeah. So, you know, and a lot of times owners of restaurants, you don't really feel back you. You know, you if you get an attitude with a customer, I mean, there's that attitude, the customer's always right. So I think a lot of women find themselves feeling uh, uncomfortable, but maybe not really knowing how to voice it. And I could just tell it was written all over her face that she's was just not enjoying this guy's hands on her. And, well, that's bullshit. Um, you know, and he would kind of make little remarks that were kind of disgusting and vulgar and whatever. Um, you know, and I would kind of shut him down because I was just like, I'm not interested. You know, I think you're gross, whatever. Well, come to find out. My instinct about this guy was totally right. So he's like a registered sex offender. Oh, go figure. He's on a list. I was telling a girlfriend about him. And I was like, this guy keeps coming in the bar and he's creeping me out. And he's so gross. And like, I just feel like he's a rapist or something. You know, I just get that vibe. And told her his name, you know, this is the guy's name. And she's like, holy shit, he's on the sex offender registry. And, you know, she's grown up in this town her whole life. So she knew him, gave me lots of information and background on this dude. Like he got in trouble when he was like a teenager, you know, for things involving like girls that were very underage. In his 20s, he had had some incident, I think, with a stepsister. Anyway, come to find out the guy had actually served 
like two or three terms in prison, all for, you know, like sexual abuse, sex crime, sex with minors. Yeah. All with, you know, and he's on a list and now he's out in town. He's a business owner. And yeah, he's on that list, but he's still coming in bars and like, you know, freaking out the staff, the yeah, females, because the, and uh, you know, the thing just is, being a weirdo. Those, so that's an example of having that gut feeling and then finding out like, oh my God, I'm right. Those people typically don't change. This that's guy's the scary a part weird about pervert and he is. So, wow. And I'm sure many women and uh, I'm sure men too have had, but I think it, I honestly think uh, it um, lies heavily on the women. Yeah, we had some really things. interesting stories. We had one of our Facebook followers talk about almost being abducted from a bus station as a child. Yes, we had one who uh guy attempted to pull her over. And, like you know, posing as a cop. Posing as a police and was arrested directly after for raping women. So, you know, just so people know that uh, our cops all around the country, if uh, they get behind you in a desolate area and you slow down and you turn your flashers on, that's supposedly a universal sign that I see you, I'm recognizing you're behind me but I'm going to drive to a populated area before I pull over. Yeah, I've even heard cases where women will actually do that. Then they'll call yeah, 911. You can do that too. And they'll say, hey, I'm on this road. I'm being blue lighted, but I don't feel safe. I'm going to wait till I right. find a public area or something well lit before I pull over. Right. So never, ever worry. And like I said, slow down, turn your flashers on. And like you said, call 911 and, and try to confirm through them as well. But uh, if you're ha if you're scared and you're having that gut feeling go off, you bet you always trust it. I always trust. Yeah, it. I, I feel like if more of us did that in life, maybe we could prevent some situations. And I mean, if you're going to be the victim of a crime, you know, there's not a lot that you can do, what I can guess, happen? to stop other people. From, you know, people are going to do what they're going to do, but you can be proactive, and you can be vigilant, and you can recognize that, like, hey, this doesn't feel right. Right. And try to get out of the situation or alert someone. I don't know. I mean, I guess there's things you can do. You can. Just common sense. Yeah. And always follow your gut. So the Peter London episode, that's been really great. I mean, I feel like we've gotten so many downloads on that. A lot of positive feedback. It's good to be back podcasting. It is. And I'm glad to the, kind of a bit of a buzz around this episode. Everybody seems to have enjoyed it. It wasn't total garbage. And... um I think they liked it, and I, I love it that people are trying uh, taking time to listen to it. Yeah, and so we're going to start adding more bonus content to our Patreon account. So if you go over to Patreon and look for Mountain Murders Podcast, we're there. And you can sign up at a low level. I mean, as low as like $2, um, you know, an episode or $2 uh, a month or whatever yeah, you can pledge. some and, goodwill prices, y'all. Yeah, right? And so then you can get some bonus material. We're going to start kind of posting some of these mini episodes there. We've got photos, videos, articles, links to articles, different things, um, just to kind of add to uh, the stories, expound upon some of the stories that we're going to be bringing you. But then also, you know, just kind of chit-chat about some cases and maybe things that aren't local here to uh, Western North Carolina or the mountain region or Appalachia. Um, I know that I just was reading up on a, a case that I find pretty interesting. So if you are a true crime fan, it's one of those that I feel like can get your attention and, you know, kind of suck you into the story. And it's, and we've heard this time and time again, where kids go missing from their home while parents are quote unquote sleeping 
to never be heard from again, never found. A lot of these cases, you know, you end up finding out like mom or dad, stepmom, stepdad, mom's boyfriend was involved. They find a body months and months later. Right. That kind of thing. Usually. But this one case that's so weird is um, the case of Haley Cummings. And this took place in Florida, I believe, in like 2007 or 2009. And she was a five-year-old girl staying home with, well, I know it was with dad's girlfriend. Dad worked night shift, much like you do, Dylan. And you trust me at home with your kid. (laughs) Well, yeah, I know that they better not come up in here. Child care, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, he had left his two kids home with his girlfriend, and she was only 17 at the time, which is kind of a red flag. Dad was like 25. Hello. Yeah. So, girlfriend says she wakes up in the middle of the night, the door to their mobile home wide open, and the girl missing, no sign of her. And so this little girl's been missing for years and years and no sign of her, no body. And the story, the girlfriend's story um, has kind of wavered over the years from like, well, the door was open. I got up to use the bathroom and then it's like, oh, I got up to get something to drink. And there was a bathroom in the bedroom, like I guess in the master bedroom where they were all sleeping. Yeah. But she got up to go use the guest bathroom. And that's when she saw the door open. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, she's been some weird stuff. Well, then the dad and the girlfriend, the dad's name is Ronald Cummings. And I can't remember real quick what the girlfriend's name was. But if you look it up, you're going to find it. There's tons of articles. But now they've been charged with drugs, you know, trafficking and all this stuff. And so they're both in prison. And the judge actually gave the girlfriend like a 25-year sentence. And she's tried to appeal that. But he's kind of sticking it to her. And a lot of people think it's almost because they couldn't prove anything on this case with the little girl. Ah, But really? that he's giving her, like, maybe a maximum to just, you know, make Which, up uh, that. You, I don't know. Well, that uh, goes against our judicial system, but we do have to remember that judges and people in the courts are humans. Yeah. And so, if uh, you know, who knows if that's true or not. But it's but. an interesting case, and it reminds me of... Another case here in North Carolina, so we probably won't cover it because it was some distance from here. It's not really in the mountains, but the uh, Zahara Baker story. Yes, down in Hickory. Yeah, I mean, that was a big case where that was. stepmom said this child went missing. It's the same exact scenario. Turns dad out was she working. actually killed her and uh, dismembered her. Yes, dad was Pretty working horrific. and come home. She's gone. They don't know what's happened, blah, blah, blah. But I think that quickly fell apart and, and the real truth came out. Well, maybe not quickly. I don't recall, but that was very sad. The little girl was disabled. And, uh, oh, yeah. Had, like, she had been, been a cancer survivor. She I had mean, been a, she, I think actually, did she not have a, um, a, um, she had a, a um, uh, an amputated leg. Yes, she, so she had her a prosthesis, a, something with her, it turning well, she up had been somewhere. dismembered and they ended up finding her prosthetic leg right. in a landfill or something. Yeah, or she was gone and the leg was there. I mean, it's just it was such crazy. Yeah, there's just so many weird cases like that. And and so then I started looking into others. There's a case of a, a child named Lisa Irwin, 10-month-old, that went missing. Of course, there's the whole Casey Anthony, Kaylee Anthony case, oh. which made national headlines oh. with these missing kids. Oh, and, that bitch. Yeah. She's back. Hands down, we got to know that she's... I can't believe... She's guilty as fuck. 
any part of our society allows her to stick her head up. What a trash human. Honestly. Yeah. And that just really says a lot about our, which I'm, I guess I take part in our voyeuristic, you know, want to hear people's dirt or can't get enough of some salacious details, but... You would like the Don Henley song, oh, Dirty Laundry? You, I would put my hands on her, and I do not advocate hurting women, but anyway, I yeah. feel very... That was well, what I was reading about that Haley Cummings case in Florida, it happened very closely after Kaylee Anthony's disappearance, and what I was reading is, you know, of course, the Kaylee Anthony thing, that made national news, and this Haley Cummings case... I guess it did get some attention. I mean, uh, Nancy Grace talked about it. Is that the one that was taken out of a trailer? Yes. Yes. Geraldo, I, I think, showed up yeah. and was very like accusatory towards the father. Right. That kind of thing. I do remember that happening. It, it kind of got overshadowed. It by... did, but the Kaylee Anthony thing really overshadowed the story. But what I was reading is that George Anthony, Kaylee's grandfather, actually drove to you know their home and, and was like there for support and like because he knows was and like. he was, yeah and was saying how you know he knew exactly how it was and he was trying to like help them you know be part of like a you know candlelight vigil and and that kind of thing and sort of uh, I guess the community was like coming out and supporting and he came and was part of that but uh, just really weird cases of that kind of thing you know where that doesn't happen that's one thing I will say if you got some daggum dogs. Some people, little yappy dogs. People don't just bust up in your house to take your kid. A big headed bulldog or a big breed of. Yeah, I mean, see, I'm being serious. Because, um, you know, them little suckers, especially little dogs, them suckers bark at a damn leaf falling or the wind blowing outside and yap, yap, yap all the time. So I think you could actually do a case study of all these cases and almost, I'm going to guarantee you that there was never dogs present at all these scenes. Well, you're probably right. You know, one thing that I... Okay, so first of all, I think I'm such a light sleeper that yeah. I feel like there's no way someone could, like, come into my house and steal my kid without me knowing. Cause no, you are a very light sleeper. I hear everything. You do. Yeah. So, you know, that part of it, I'm like, eh, I don't know about all that. And I'm not saying that, like, strangers can't just come in your house and abduct your children. I mean, I think it's very possible. It happens. But some of these people live in, like, like this family, for example, lived in this trailer in a very rural area. And I think it might have been in a park, but they said it was set back kind of in an area where... Um, it would have been difficult to imagine a stranger right. just rolled up in there to kidnap a kid. Like, there are probably were other easily accessible homes to get kids. Right. Um, so I have a hard time thinking that there's just strangers lurking all around waiting to abduct kids while they're sleeping. But it does happen. There was that one case, a uh, Sword and Scale episode, that disabled um, girl. I think oh, she was right. up in her teens, was literally taken out a window. Oh, and she right. really couldn't even walk That was or in anything. the Midwest someplace. Right? Yeah, it, was a, it, it ended like up that. being a revenge. I think, I think it was like Indiana. Yes, yeah, yeah. so it ended up being a revenge against the mother, I believe it was. Someone took her to scare the mother. Well, it was but, like the mother had had a relationship with a fellow, and, and maybe that didn't end quite well or something, but his teenage son yes. was trying to retaliate right. by abducting this lady's disabled daughter, Yeah, I think raped and killed her, yeah, yeah. left her in an attic space of this like abandoned house. Yes, yeah, she basically died of uh, like exposure and dehydration. And I can't I recall the exact issue. name, but you know, we're both kind of encyclopedias of like true crime. <laughs> but I'm saying that it does happen. It does. But typically, I mean, I just 90% of the time, nine times out of 10, it's someone that you know 
someone who's in the home and or part of the the, the child's cl- the close knit right family friend circle just are the like ones kind of that are involved. If you disappear tomorrow, they're going to automatically because our very competent Jackson County Sheriff mm-hmm. is going to automatically um, suspect me. Oh, I'm sure. Your husband, your lover, your boyfriend. Yeah. Because typically, that's how it turns out. Well, I think we both know I probably only really have one true enemy. So, if I disappear or end up dead, we probably know who did it. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably your crazy ex. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> any, anything anything else popping well, around in your head right well, now? Well, no, I don't think so. But we just want to thank you for being a patron. Yes. And following us Thank on Patreon our patrons for we those have now. donations. Yes. Yeah, we just really appreciate you guys. And we really love doing the show. We're so glad to be back. Yes, we are. And we're just glad you guys uh, take a minute out of your day to give us a listen. Yeah. And if you have any feedback on uh, any true crime podcasts and or cases yes. that are interesting that you're like, hey, I don't know if you know about this, but check it out. We love to get those. Of course, you can always follow us on Facebook. We are on Twitter. If you look up Mountain Murders, we are also on Instagram. And then we're any place where you find a podcast. And we love those positive reviews. So if you want to go give us some five-star reviews. Yes, if you're on Apple Podcasts, uh, five-star reviews really help us get exposure and uh, just really help keep the buzz going. So we appreciate that if you enjoy it. And we'll and, probably um, uh, have, of course, our weekly episodes. Our next case for Mountain Murders is great. It's pretty good. It's one that I've been familiar with for probably the better part of 20 years. I did not know about it. And have always found it fascinating. Um, My best friend and I have even wanted to go to the site of this crime because we're just so fascinated with the story. Um, So I can't wait to bring that to our listeners. I think they're going to really enjoy this upcoming show. But uh, we'll also probably be putting out some of these little mini episodes in between, just filler, talking, rambling. So if you can't get enough of Dylan and I and our awesome banter... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> then you can keep listening to these uh, bonus content. Oh yes, episodes. and uh, one more, one one last thing. We got uh, we're doing a group as well because we love our oh, right. We yeah, love I'm our Facebook page. We love the conversations. We love interacting with people because we are just at heart true fans. So we have Mountain Murders Friends. It's a um, a closed group. So if you want to get in on that, you just. Uh, just search it. Yeah, search it on Facebook, Mountain Murder Friends. Um, join the group. We'll add you to that group. It's getting We're, off the ground. Yeah, we've some of the content we've posted on Patreon, because I know with this Peter London episode, we've posted some photos. Yes, um, a lot of good photos. Yeah, a lot of good photos um, on Patreon, but we're going to be posting like more photos and that kind of thing in the group. Plus, it's more of a private group, so it lends for more active discussion about serial killers and cases. Right. Um, you can let it hang out. Things that you might not want to post on Facebook. Exactly. Maybe because of jobs or family, whatever, you can post in this group because yep. we're really trying to kind of keep it like... So it's the closed group, Mountain Murders Friends. Yep. And we'd love to see you guys there. Yeah. Well, until we meet again, I hope you guys stay safe out there and look for our next episode. It's going to be a doozy. Yes.